everyone. My name is Jordi Mueller, and welcome again to the podcast for April for Empower Women Series. Today, we're talking about the gift behind your money story, and we are very, very lucky to have Janet Stokes with us. How are you doing, Janet? I'm doing fantastic. And uh, before I read all the credentials that Janet uh, kind of like brings with her, I want to say, let's take a deep breath. And I hope that if you're driving in your car right now, you actually took a moment of peace before we start this podcast to be able to listen. Um, Janet has a very interesting story. Uh, she was a CPA by education, uh, probably for more than three decades, I would say you practice uh, being a, a CPA. And then you became an ACF uh, a credential coach and as well as a meditation instructor. And then you decided to start an organization called the Center for Redesigning Life, which I will ask you exactly what you guys do there. But th what is more intriguing for me is, and I'm not saying that CPAs do not have that part in themselves to like dedicate time to a well, uh, full circle life, but it's definitely not with the orientation of where your energy is going. It's a little more uh, tactical, a little more task-oriented life. So tell me how that change happened to you. Beautiful question. Well, you're right that I began to go into and be a CPA when I was right out of college because my parents wanted me to have a good job. And I liked it. But I was really intrigued with when I met clients and the humanity behind um, having them employ some of the tax suggestions we were giving them. And I found that when I was present with them, there was a way they relaxed and they got to um, open to implementing what we were suggesting. So that really was my intrigue. And I felt that I had to stick with what I was doing though because I had put so much time and money into it. My parents wanted me to continue with that. <laughs> um, but as life happens, and it does, I at 30 years old, had a huge course correct in my life. And what had happened is my husband at the time decided he didn't want to be married anymore. And I had a four-day-old son and a year-and-a-half-old daughter. And I needed more flexibility in my job. So coincidentally, but not really, <laughs> um, I ended up taking a job with a personal development company. And I did tax seasons on the side, every tax season, I should yeah. say, during the seasons. And for 20 years, I had these two different groups. One was the CPA, attorney, engineering, <laughs> banker people. And then there was the other group that was personal development, yoga, energy, alternative health. And I just didn't know how to blend those two together. Huh. But they were so, both of them were fascinating to me. Okay. So that went on f for another 20 years. And then in 2010, I had another one of those life experiences. <laughs> and I flew to a women's conference that my cousin invited me to. And then she didn't end up going because she had a Patriots game to go to. Um, but in that conference, one of the not so famous speakers that was presenting was a woman who wrote the book, The Energy Codes, who became my friend and teacher. Um, what she said in 2010 to, to us at that time didn't make sense to the CPA's mind, <laughs> but it made all the sense in my heart. 
And I followed her for the next nine years and learned. And we went to Peru, we went all over the world, just learning the subtleties of what my CPA brain had a sense of, but didn't really let me have access to a whole and, bunch. And let me elaborate a little bit on that, because um, I identify myself to that uh, lifestyle, I would say, that during most of your adult life, which I would call your aware life, um, you might be able to belong to these two different mindsets and still operate, work, uh, live day to day. And there's usually one moment where you realize the disconnection between what you do with your energy every day and your activities and where you want to be. And, yeah. and it tends to be one of those shocking moments or those like, huh, huh. And or realization that you've wasted some time mm -hmm. in certain stuff. Mm -hmm. Because, mm -hmm. uh, uh, by the way, we're starting obviously with the concept that energy is not infinite; it's is limited. So you have spent energy in some place in the past. So now it's time to reallocate that energy somewhere else. So, so a lot of people face this kind of like moment of trying to sync these two mentalities: the one that, of the stuff that you are set up to do every day, and the stuff that you want to do every day, or that makes you feel fulfilled and uh, so so i identify with that and i'm sure a lot of our people listen to that identify with that i do have a question for you on that mm -hmm. when you face that moment where you are realizing oh my god i'm in this position that how did i get here what do you think is the first step to start analyzing where you're putting your energy towards every day it's a great question jordy it's been my experience um, that oftentimes life gives you something that seems like a huge problem. And that's when you kind of fall to your knees and break open. For me, that was when my husband left. That okay. was at 30. I, I always had this kind of battle going on inside. And I knew I wasn't doing what was fulfilling, but kind of what was expected of the role. Uh, but I knew then I somehow had to bring them together, and I struggled with that. It wasn't something that happened for me anyway overnight, although I will say the world has changed quite a bit. <laughs> and I think the world is, um, the new generations coming in are much more adaptable. It's not going to take as long, yeah. uh, if at all. They're definitely more aware. I would say the younger so. generations are aware of their whole package. Yes. Yes, they are. Yeah. And, you know... Um, when we're in our mind, we would say things like, energy is limited. I certainly felt stressed over that. <laughs> However, what I discovered and what I learned with my clients is that there is an access to an infinite part to ourselves that we can utilize. In fact, it's we're not utilizing all of our intelligences of our body. We're only using 5% of it. I couldn't agree more with that. <laughs> right. So when we do access it, life becomes <laughs> a shift from this stress feeling, because that's when your energy is kind of thrown outside of yourself, to in, inner, inner energy, which I call aliveness. Aliveness is different than the adrenaline rush we get, which I certainly live by hmm. for uh, several decades. Yeah. Um, but aliveness is so different. And if we utilize what we already have, it's not something that we need to go out and get. We're born with it. Yeah. We're just not taught how to use it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit like we we never were raised, and, and I'm 34, and certainly my parents didn't teach me to be aware of certain stuff on how to react to certain circumstances that come to me. They, they 
I would I would like to believe that they prepare me the best, but the awareness part and the conversation about being aware was never there. And uh, and they that, didn't know. And they didn't know. And and I can see that that's especially through meditation and breathing exercises that people do pretty much from a younger age these days, uh, they have become a little more in touch with that part of being aware of their surroundings and how people are affecting their space and energy so they know how to better react. Uh, so not just react with nothing. Um, I do want to touch on something that we kind of cover a little bit, which is how you felt or how we felt when we found some news. But I want to talk about exactly the body part that you feel this, this sometimes these reactions to some emotional situations. And what does that mean, depending on where it goes in the body? Mm-hmm. I know you talk a little bit about that today. A little bit we touched on that because um, we're, the key is that we're, we are predominantly sensory beings. Yeah. So our whole body is like a receptor. And so we could feel, um, you know, perhaps... With your money stories, you know, you know, I went through divorce and I, I could feel it in my gut. Like it just felt tightened when I had to figure out how to, uh, how was I going to save enough money to do the things I wanted to do? Yeah. Um, so we could feel it as a tightening in the gut. We could feel it as a constriction of the throat. Like I, I, at times there was, I, I didn't know how to uh, create what I was looking for. I didn't have clarity on that. You could feel, um, there's other times I feel an expansion in the chest or I could feel tingling down my arms or legs. But the key is, instead of looking on the outside of going, you know, why did that happen? And what was that about? If we just said, where in the body did I feel it? We work with it in a much more efficient a way, effective way. There's, there's so much tool here that we can utilize if we were only aware of it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really remarkable. Yeah. A little bit of, um, I think what you're trying to touch, which I, I promised myself I would ask you about bioenergetics because I think it's important that people understand that concept, is this transfer of energy and between your organs and depending on what you feel and where does it affect you. And uh, I'll, I'll just ask you directly, like, if, do you mind explaining a little bit to the listener what bioenergetics are and how does this affect this whole process? Oh, sure. First that's, all, a, that's an easy question for you, Jen. <laughs> yeah, first of all, it's this fancy word, and it's really not that I complicated. I, mean, I just wanted to say it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it sounds so nice. Bioenergetics, but bio is just the body, and energetics yes. is energy. Yeah. And there's two systems that run our body and run our life. Mm-hmm. It's the nervous system, which, frankly, most people think of as just the brain and the um, spinal column. Yeah. But it actually runs through your whole body. And then there's this electromagnetic system that actually created the nervous system. And it is a field that is measured. It's at least two feet around your whole body. And and the more that we can build what's called photon density in our bodies, it even gets bigger, like the Dalai Lama would have a certainly bigger field around him. And bioenergetics is really just the flow of energy between those systems. Mm -hmm. But it was the electromagnetic system that did create the yeah. nervous system, but we don't utilize it. And it's that uh, access to, and there's a lot of biology behind it, uh, why why we don't even pay attention to it because our five senses are meant to be predominant. So we have to make a conscious awareness of those other nerve centers in the body, which speak much more quietly, but hold so much potential for us not to live in a stressed out kind of way. 
um, uh, Glenn Frank, who is um, one of the instructors here at Lexington Wealth, and I said instructors because we do a lot of educational series in this company, um, but recently he's been uh, putting a lot of his time on a course that is that's named Time, Money, and Joy, and one of the ways he starts every session is no matter what the mood of the room is, it makes everybody stand up and open their arms in a star uh, uh, kind of shape specifically for that is to start creating some positive energy uh, that will instantly infect infect not affect infect the room and start transferring positive energy across i i got you know an example of how this works um this morning i got a phone call from my girlfriend and she was she needed to drive two hours on the road and i asked her how are you doing and she said i'm so tired and i said have you screamed today and and she was like, "What do you mean?" And I just I was driving myself, and I just scream on the on the on the over Bluetooth like wow, like literally. <coughs> and she's like, "What do you mean?" It's like, "Yeah, try screaming. Like just say something really positive. Like and just like scream." And the scream just the your brain telling your mind through your throat to generate some sound on a high uh, pitch volume. It actually creates and starts running this positive energy inside your body, so it wakes you up, which is weird, but it does. This is part of the things that we need to be aware of: of how much control you have over how you feel energy-wise. And uh, and I think that's also what you're talking about. That's just uh, being aware of how much control you have of the current mood, the current situation. It's up to us. It's not necessarily up to the person next to us. Yeah. Everything is energy. Mm -hmm. Everything. There's no exception to that. You are energy, sound, and vibration and light. And when you use the breath, like you instructed your, invited your girlfriend to do, it releases and moves energy that's stuck. Mm -hmm. Because all pain in the body, all kinds of... um, emotions that have more contracted feelings are just stuck energy in the body. But we love to write stories around them because that's what the 5% of our conscious mind likes to do. And it makes it feel safe. But the truth is there's a whole wealth of language if we just learn to work with it like you invited your girlfriend to do that can like that change it without labels. One thing, um, one thing that I did hear from people uh, coming out of the session today that I had with you, uh, which, by the way, amazing reviews. So uh, we're very thankful here at Lexington that you spent time with uh, with all our guests today. Um, but one of the things that came up was the exercise that you did with the hands, and uh, and and I'm gonna try to describe it to everybody like listening to it, which is basically you just put your hands together and uh, uh, kind of like in a bold form. I don't know how to describe this. Just in, like inner lapping your fingers. And then what happens is you change the order of that. And then when you feel really uncomfortable, it's just not the typical way that you do things. And I think the point that you were trying to, to make everybody realize is besides the fact that change is hard, we tend to come back to the norm. So, so how do you make yourself stop from, yes, I'm changing, so next time I'm changing again, next time I'm changing again until it just becomes who you are. And that's the big one, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it, Beth? Yes. And, this is, and, and we have know, a lot of clients that also have uh, this well, issue. 
Well, first of all, it's just being aware that there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, that your biology is set up to make it feel uncomfortable because that is your base brain saying Ch- change to the base brain means there's a threat to survival. That's how it works. Yep. So when we're folding our hands a certain way, we're used to that. Just like when we, you know, I did another one, we crossed our arms. I wanted to show that that's a physical one, but it happens in our thoughts too. So when we are looking to make a change, the first thing the brain's going to do, and it goes in priority, is are we protected first? And remember, change means a threat to survival. So if we're not protected, we can't into, we can't get to connection, yeah. and we can't get into creation. Hmm. First things first. So when you feel uncomfortable, most people probably have been at the orientation that, oh my gosh, I just want to avoid that then. I say, let's switch that around. When I feel uncomfortable, that's basically a pattern I'm coming against. That's all it is. Yeah. So we all have free will and choice. Mm-hmm. And if we want to choose, we if you do it a few more times, it's not going to feel as uncomfortable. Each time you do it, it feels less uncomfortable, less uncomfortable, because as we atrophy that kind of wiring in our brain, we will uh, increase a connection elsewhere if if people are looking for another example of this that happens all the time is stretching uh, a lot of people when they're stretching and i was told this example once and it like stuck in my head they reach to their limit of muscles when they're trying to stretch their legs their arms their wrists whatever it is you're stretching in your body and that's all it is the body when when you reach that limit goes to your brain as like uh-uh, that's where i'm used to go and in reality, the trainer or the person helping you, they usually say, just take a deep breath and breathe out. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you can stretch a little more. Mm-hmm. And the way that happens is you're just telling your brain, it's okay to feel this pain. It will go away. And then it tends to go away. Um, besides, obviously, the physical limit sometimes. But it's usually an extra 5 or 10% more that you can do. And then the next time you are aware that you will feel pain if you breathe a couple of times, it will go away. It's the same concept here. It's basically telling your body, this is change. It's okay. What's after? What's what's next? Exactly. So so I want to bring the conversation back a little bit to the money talk because I think a lot of these uncomfortable conversations or uncomfortable reactions to money tend to happen without us knowing Mm -hmm. like we just don't know that we react to money conversations Mm -hmm. that way and uh, and uh, and i i know we're running out of time but i want to make sure that we get in what does it mean when we feel i don't know i I, certain stresses our money depending on the type of part of the body that you felt something Mm -hmm. well uh, we We form a lot of our thoughts when we're younger by the messages that we either were told or perceived when we were younger. So a lot of the money messages are just, how did your family deal with money? What did you see? What did you hear? And what was supported when you followed it? What wasn't supported? And this gets grooved over, over and over as we grow up, which makes it very strong thoughts in our mind. And we think that we're consciously have dealt with it. But the truth is, it gets buried in our subconscious. So Mm -hmm. we we feel that uncomfortableness because we know there's something in the subconscious. 
At the time that that happens, there's two things. One is repetition is how it gets in the body. The second is emotional charge. So often, like um, if you go through a, a divorce, let's say, and you're in a real financial stressed orientation, it will embed in the body stronger than just a passing thought. And it gets, and even once you pass it and you think that you are over it, there is a fight flight response that was stored into the subconscious memory, which is why we're feeling uncomfortable mm -hmm. when it comes up five years later or 10 years later. So the first thing to do is to first just recognize that uncomfortable doesn't mean it's wrong or bad and need to run away from it, like your stretching exercise. Yeah. We just want to change our relationship to mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Perhaps it's an invitation for us to look a little differently. And when the subconscious put it into, um, it gets in the, into the midbrain area, which then goes into the body. And you're asking like, why would I feel um, maybe, you know, looking at my bank account and all of a sudden, you know, I'm getting this tightness in my dummy or something like that. Did you look at my bank account? <laughs> <laughs> It'll make you feel better. <laughs> because there's something about maybe your own personal power about that, that might be affected because a while ago it got yeah. stuffed there in your body. It's just yeah. blocked energy. And what the book that I, um, we gave out today and the work that I do helps to do is work with the breath to move that stuck energy. We can work with the 5% and, and do reframing and all those kinds of things. They're wonderful practices. And we can do it a lot quicker if we just want to go right into that, you know, um, Subconscious. I, 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 subconscious, because I today I shared with the audience that there's not uh, there's 11 million bits of information that's coming into your body every second, and only 50 get up to conscious memory. We pay so much attention to that 50, and where's the 11 million? Yeah. We don't know how to work with that. And if we did, we might be moving through our money stories a little bit more quickly. It doesn't mean we don't have. Um, reaction to certain things. Mm -hmm. But we don't proliferate as long and we actually are moving forward because we're accessing more possibility than we thought just a moment ago, which mm -hmm. is why it works. Um, it, Jan, we could talk forever about this I topic. Know, I love this is stuff. one of those. I love it. Yeah. And um, I do want to say to everybody listening, um, tax season is finishing and a lot of the uh, conversations we have had the last two or three months with our clients it's around taxes and how we feel about taxes and income and a lot of emotions come usually around them. I think it's the perfect time of the year to start thinking about what your relationship with money actually is, what makes you and um, brings happiness to your, to your life, uh, that it's in relationship with money and then uh, start framing your relationship with money a little different if it needs to be changed. Uh, it's because it's not summer, it's not fall. This tends to be holiday seasons and uh, their relationship with money changes. But when you have to pay taxes for some reason, <laughs> um, you really care about your money. So, which is totally fine, but I think it's the perfect season to do it. Um, I, thank you so much for everybody at Lexington for your time today. And uh, we really hope to see you again soon. It would be my joy and pleasure to do so. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, for everybody listening, uh, this was the Empowerment Series Pod. And uh, until next time, this is Jordy Mueller. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.